All right. Uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. A little musical thing going on there. Thanks for being uh, the for being part of the show. Thanks for everything. Facebook friends and all over the place. And just so happens, this happens to be, at the date of this show, the first day of early voting. The first day of early voting. But let me say something about the weather here in Chicago. It is beautiful in Chicago. It is great. It's dark. (laughs) It's 6.03 p.m. straight up Chicago time. Uh, it is beautiful. It's 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 in the 60s. It, I'm hearing it go hit the bottom uh, later on this week. So we, we're going to be prepared for that. So yeah, it's it's early voting, folks, and get out there and vote. I'm still I'm on I'm looking at Facebook here, and so many people are just so pissed off about everything that's going on in America, everything that's being said, the caravan. I'm just learning a little bit more about that. Migrants head to uh, the U.S. Uh, Mexico border, and Trump is saying, "Not here." You know, this guy is just not people-oriented. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have any feelings. He doesn't have empathy. He's fascism kind of a government we have here. Uh, a narcissist. Um, but anyway, it's great. And if you're out there and in your state or your neck of the woods, having Early voting, uh, do so. Because early voting actually uh, is a Democratic turnout, basically. You know, Democrats vote early. And I've been watching all of these ads, <laughs> these political ads on television. Every, every time, I mean, every time there's an election of a voting situation where a candidate wants to run for office, whether Republican or Democrat, I mean, you see, you see thousands and thousands of ads on your television. I mean, most of it, they're lying on each other. Most of it is just mirrors, and a lot of it is just trying to make a fool out of you and me. But we have to use our own mind and our own uh, uh, thoughts on who we want to put in office. And as I've said before, uh, it looks like the Democrats are going to take the House, maybe the Senate. It, It looks that way, okay? So far, and maybe hopefully it will be that way. Okay, uh, this is an intensive uh, election in our country, in America. Uh, it's very, very intense, and this is the last time we're going to get to do this. I mean, you you have a lot of Republicans running for office, saying what they're going to do for you, and they don't believe it. Then you have a lot of Republicans that are saying what they they're not afraid to say that they're going to. Uh, cut Medicare. They're not afraid to say they're going to cut Social Security. They're not afraid to say that if you don't like it, you should leave the country. You know, you got Republicans out there who are spawning racism and all over the place. Racism and hate and lies. And then they're saying, vote for me. Uh, I see this all the time. And I'm hoping that the rest of America is seeing what I'm seeing when you're watching some of these political ads and you're reading some of these uh, horrific election uh, atrocities around the country. You know, I mean, the bad guys look like bad guys. And I hate to say this, but it's true. It's mostly white Republicans who are wanting to lie to you to get your vote so they can – and that that's something I, I never understood and I would never understood 
uh, a lot of these Republicans are going to win. Some of them going to lose. Some will win. Uh, and a lot of the Republicans who will win races in this are going to be propelled by older Americans. People on Social Security, people on Medicare, people on food stamps are going to be voting for Republicans. And you tell yourself, why will these folks be voting for Republicans when Republicans are going to cut or eliminate Social Security, Medicare? Why would you vote for people? And this is happening. I mean, look how Ted, look how close Ted Cruz is to winning in Texas. Who's putting him over the top? The elderly. And Ted Cruz is going to be the first one in line to vote against Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, whatever it is. If it's benefiting the American people or the poor, he's going to vote against it. And he's not denying that he will not. But then you have people out here voting for candidates who are going going to wreck their lives. One person told me, well, George is just stupidity. They're just stupid asses. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. But I, 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 maybe some of these people don't realize what they're voting for when they're voting for someone to take away everything that they have. And that's what the Republicans are going to do. You won't be able to live in your house. If you don't get your, social, your monthly Social Security check and you can't go to the doctor, your house is going to be taken away because you cannot pay the mortgage or you can't pay the taxes on them. Why would you vote for people? And I've talked about this several times last week on the show. Why would you vote for somebody that's going to ruin your life? And Republicans are up all around America. I'm not saying they're leading in these races, but they're up more than what they should be. And who's putting them up like that? Basically haters and older Americans. A lot of people are going to vote against Democrats all because they just hate Democrats. They have no other reason for voting against a Democrat just for the idea that they hate Democrats. Oh, why are you voting Republican? Oh, I just hate Democrats. But they don't give you a reason. If they give you a reason, it's a lame-ass reason. You know, uh, Republicans, if Republicans get back in Congress, if they win this thing, they're going to rip America apart. You're going to lose everything. This is going to become a dictatorship. Trump and the Republicans, they're out there lying to you in front of your faces. As we all know Trump's a lie. We all know this. So why Trump's talking about tax cuts for rich again? That means basically taking from the poor and giving to the rich. Robin Hood in reverse. And you have people out there that's going to vote for this shit. People out there who are going to vote for this shit. Working middle class people who are going to work who are going to vote for this. Working middle class and Donald Trump and the Republicans are going to up in your job. You're working to pay your, your house note. You're working to pay your car note. You're working to send your kids to college. Why vote against that? Because that's what you're doing when you're voting for a Republican. These people are slime. They are against America. Their majority of them are traitors. 
to Russia. Why, why put these kinds of people in office when Democrats are going to save Social Security? They're not going to touch it. They're going to save Medicare, food stamps. They're going to be working to make the poor uh, at least pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They're going to be working for the middle class to make sure that you're treated fairly in the workplace where you don't get fired for uh, uh, bringing to the boss that you were sexually harassed. They're going to work for things like them a lot more. The Republicans are not. When I, hear, when I see something or I hear something that's saying, well, the Republicans are up 50%, who in the hell putting them up 50%? Racists, the haters, along with our seniors. So if you got a mother or father, grandmother or grandfather out there that's, that, that's watching Fox News, pull them to the side and say, hey, wow, mama, daddy, do not vote for a Republican. They're going to take your Social Security benefits. Well, I don't care. I mean, I think they're a uh, uh, level-headed bunch of guys and they're white. So I, I really don't care if they take away. But you're going to wind up in the streets. Well, uh, you know what I'm saying here is that um, this is the kind of mentality you have. Some of these people don't care if they wind up in the streets. Some of them don't care if they die in the streets because they because their health care has been taken away. Obamacare is quite eliminated, but the Republicans and Donald Trump has made it so, so hard to sign up for it. They have stripped all kind of funding away. That's why you don't hear about it much, but it's still out there. It may be on its last leg, but Obamacare is still out there. And the Republicans know it. Donald Trump is just not, they're not just, they're not funding it. They're not, they're in the hell with it. The Republicans don't give a damn if you live or die. Why would you vote for him? Yeah, some of these guys are going to win because people are just stupid or just plain old ignoring the truth. A lot of them are racist. A lot of them are just crazy and, and, They're going to tear the country apart. I mean, uh, it's been all over everywhere, especially the Internet and some local news stations uh, and local outlets, CNN, USA Today, all of these kinds of websites that the Republicans are going to cut Social Security. And they are. If they win, if they win, they're going to cut it or maybe eliminate it. They cut it once, they're going to eliminate the second time. They mess with it. Why? Why would someone vote for this? They're going to take away your job. Why would you vote for that? They're going to take away, um, they're going to stomp the poor. Why would the poor vote for that? You've got a few of them that are going to vote. It's just plain stupidity. It's plain crazy. It's plain stupid. So, if you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, at, at any point in time you're listening to the show, whether it's live or whether it's podcast, talk to your uh, grandmother or grandfather or great-grandmother or great-grandfather and pull them to the side and say, Ma, 
dad, no, you can't do this. They're going to put you out on the streets, especially if your grandmother or grandfather is in a uh, uh, long-term facility. I guess that's another way of saying nursing home. I mean, if the uh, if their Social Security check is stopped or cut, they're going to have to up in. They're going to have to – they may be just thrown out of the nursing home or their long-term care facility, whatever they're calling it now, um, because no money will be coming. They can't take care of granny and, and, and grandpa if there's no money coming into the facility, especially their money. So it's just mind-boggling that uh, seniors and other people will vote against their own entrance, their own interest. Wow. You know, and it's happening. This is the first day of voting. Maybe this is why I'm harping on this, because people are heading to the polls. They'll be, at least in the city of Chicago, they'll be heading to the polls um, all the way until November 5th. My, if that's my understanding, so we're going to be in vote. We're going to be voting here in the Wilder ho- household, if I can say it, in a few days. You know, we're going to early vote also. And I would probably say to anybody out there who hasn't voted but will vote, uh, I would probably say early vote. Vote early, um, because that way you can avoid a lot of long, long, long lines. Because I have a feeling there will be a blue tsunami. People are going to be lining up in droves. I was telling my son the other day, people are going to be lining up all around the corner, across the street to vote. And, they're, and they are not going to mind waiting to vote. Because this country is in peril. It really is. And do not let the Republicans, well, we're going to help the poor people. We're going to help the middle class. Bullshit. That is just to get your vote. Do not be fooled. That may be the reason why so many elderly people are voting for and seniors are are voting, casting votes for Republicans because they think Republicans are just going to do everything they can to help them. Of course, Republicans are going to do everything they can to to, um, take your benefits away because they're saying that Social Security benefits, Medicaid, Medicare, and all of this stuff is contributing to the high deficit, which is a total fucking lie. The deficit, if it is out of whack and out of control, it's caused by the Republicans. Excuse me. It is caused by the Republicans if it is out of whack. And if it's out of whack, it's their, it's their problem because of what? It's happening on their watch. So why go and mess with Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare to fix the mess that they have broken? And another thing I think, the reason why they want to cut uh, or eliminate Social Security, Medicaid, they just want to see people suffer. These are some evil son of a bitches. They want to see you suffer. They want to see you hungry. They don't want to see you go to the doctor or you know, or get your prescription medicine. They just don't like that. They want to see, uh, I mean, it's been proven, you know. They just don't want to see this. So why are people voting for this? 
they're voting for it. Middle class uh, workers out here, state workers, voting Republican. What the hell? They're going to take your job. You're going to lose. They're going to bust your union. You're going to be fired. You're going to. What the hell? It's going to be all kinds of uh, mayhem going on in the workplace if this happens. It's going to be astronomical. And these folks are running out there to the polls voting Republican. Wow. I don't think Republicans are going to win the House of Representatives. I don't think they may lose the Senate. But still in all, think of the people who have voted for them. Think of the people who voted for them. Vote to have their Social Security benefits taken away. Vote to have their Medicare and health care taken away. How does how do you fathom that? Again, I go back to what my uh, Facebook Facebook friend said. Excuse me, my Facebook friend said, George, they're just a bunch of crazy asses. They're lunatics. They don't know what the hell's going on. And I I will not go that far. I will say. Somebody needs to talk to them. Somebody needs to pull them to the side and say, Mom, Dad, hell no. No way. You're contributing. You're going to contribute contribute to the downfall of um, America. And there's people who are actually talking about the downfall of America. The downfall. And we are down. Trump has taken this this country down into the sewer, the slime of the sewer. It's going to take Democrats to pull us back, to pull us back. And remember, Donald Trump has got about six or seven lawsuits up his ass. But we're not going to hear anything about that until after the midterms. Uh, Robert Mueller, the special counsel into the Russia investigation and election meddling of 2016, will be presenting his findings into that uh, after the Midterms, so don't expect to hear anything uh, atrocious about Donald Trump until after the midterms, because he he doesn't want to to tell us anything now or submit anything now, because you know he doesn't want to be accused of bad timing before the midterms. You know how the Republicans are going to well that that that's bad timing, and bad timing means he may affect. He doesn't want to affect the outcome of the election by submitting this stuff. Whether he submits it or not, it's awful. He doesn't have to worry about the outcome or the election. The election is going to be what it is. But I see his point. And I do think that Donald Trump and his family, they already know that after the midterm, they're going to be served with subpoenas, indictments. They're going to be conserved served with everything. But one of the things about Donald Trump, he's president of the United States. So they're saying that he cannot be indicted. He cannot go to jail. This is what the Justice Department is saying. Jeff Sessions. Uh, we know he's a rogue uh, uh, attorney general, but that's what they're saying. They're saying, they're saying that it's some sort of guidelines on the uh, uh, Justice Department book that a, a president cannot be indicted. That's why Trump has not been indicted so far. So they're following that. But if Trump should ever resign, he's going straight to jail. He's going to be indicted and arrested. 
the presidency is actually saving his ass. He's making money, getting richer off the um, presidency. A lot of people are saying, is he actually a billionaire? We haven't seen his taxes. We don't know. We don't know if he's a billionaire or not. You know, he may not be. Then again, he may be, but we haven't seen anything so far. So that's why Trump is out here uh, rallying all over the place, saying dumb shit in every state that he goes, because he knows that once the Democrats win the House of Representatives, uh, Maxine Waters, uh, represent, Representative Maxine Waters will have access taxes. And she can't wait to get her hands on him because she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna tell the world about it. She's gonna show the world. Uh, his taxes there are available now, but the Republicans are are uh, hiding his taxes. They are shielding his taxes. But once the Democrats are in office, they will have access to his taxes, and we will find out a lot of shit. We may find out that he's not a billionaire. We may find out that he's been taking money from Russia. Uh, a lot of us know that uh, he's been taking money for money from Russia. They call it money laundering. But we'll know a lot of things about Donald Trump's finances. You know, after he is, um, you know, a- after the midterms. After the midterms, we'll know a lot about him. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Wow, I've been talking a long while. Okay, uh, we. Uh, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're trying to – okay, let's see what we got here. Okay, George Carlin on the George on the George Wilder Jr. Show. George Carlin has passed away. He was a great, great comedian. I got some of his clips here. And uh, it is early voting, folks, so get out there and vote early. Vote. Uh, take your friends, your family to the polls. Take everybody to the polls. And uh, we got some scoundrels running. For, <laughs> we got some scoundrels running for office in the state of Illinois. Bruce Rauner. I mean, this guy has destroyed four years of failure, and I totally agree with that. This man has <laughs> four years of failure, and he wants to get back in office. I mean, if someone's uh, he his wife is claiming that four years is not enough. Four years is more than enough. And this is what I say when I say these people are out here trying to make fools and idiots out of us, as if we're not smart, as if we can't think for ourselves that we need them. We need to vote for them so they can think for us. Bullshit. Okay, we're going to try and do this. It's (laughs) all right.
right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We <laughs> we are starting early voting here in the city of Chicago, and and, and if it's happening happening where you are, get out and vote and vote the right way. Do not vote against your own interest. It's not <laughs> it's not kosher to do that. You don't want to vote against something uh, you don't believe in, but a lot of people are doing that. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Oh, hello. My name is Suzanne Abbott. How are you tonight? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So, you know, <laughs> I heard you say you were nervous. <laughs> Don't well, be I'm nervous. A- just just relax. Go ahead. I like what you I've been listening to what you've said and you and I agree about a lot of what you've been talking about. I agree. Okay, great. Beautiful. Uh uh you have a book called, uh, let me see, The Toilet Paper Wars. That is what correct. Is that? That's right. Okay. Well, it's actually a true story of my former uh-huh. marriage. It had something to do with toilet paper, I guess. Yes. Okay. It does. Okay. So is this book, is it published? Yes, it is. I'm looking at it right now. I have a paperback, and it's also on e- an ebook on Amazon, and it's made the bestseller list on Amazon. Is it a memoir? Yes, it is. Uh, okay. It's, yes, it's a, a cautionary tale. Okay, tell us about it a little bit. Okay. Well, I mm-hmm. also have a website. It's SuzanneAbbottAuthor.com, and you can go mm-hmm. to the website and find the book. So I okay. talk about the book on the website, and I talk a little bit about how I came to write the book. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to write the book? Yes. Uh, okay. Well, this is a true story of my former marriage. Okay. And in the process of Going through the stages of healing and recovery, I found that this was a very good way of of dealing with the problems that were happening and helping to recover from the uh, aftermath. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the book to caution, especially women over 50, to avoid making the same mistakes I did. Okay. Do you think a lot of people make um, mistakes uh, in jumping into a relationship that they're not fully, uh, you know, fully? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, into doesn't know they don't know much about it, and they jump into a relationship that they don't they don't know much about. Do you think that happens a lot? I think. Well, I think particularly late in life marriages can be difficult. Because of those reasons, it, there's several reasons. Um, people are harder; they find it more difficult to change, and it's easier for people they meet to to not tell the complete truth about their pasts. Yeah. So, and, so basically, you're saying people should probably get married in their twenties and thirties, a little. Uh, well, yeah. what I advise is do not get married in the honeymoon phase. That is my advice. 
I think it is better to form a friendship. The friendship should I be do first. I, I totally agree with that. And you get and in my situation I've 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 uh, dated a lot of women and a lot of some some women want to jump in a relationship right quickly. Some may want to get married as soon as possible and you don't even know them well yet. I think that it takes more than six months of dating to actually really get to know someone. I agree. I think it's very important also to know their family, to know any baggage that they have. Have they been married before? Oh, Do they yeah, have children? Yeah. Get, get to know all of that. Yeah. Um, and I talk about that in the book. I have different yeah. phases that the, that the heroine goes, goes through, and the baggage phase is one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you want to make sure that <laughs> they don't have any <laughs> heavy baggage because if if they do, if they come come into the relationship with heavy baggage, it's gonna fall on you. Yes, and then I I talk about that in the book. I think everyone has baggage, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's yeah. from your family of origin or from past marriages, but everyone does. It's just. You know whether you're a good fit. It depends on your baggage. I guess it depends on how much baggage. baggage. I guess it depends on yeah how much baggage. You don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my first marriage came with baggage, but it was it was something that I didn't care. I was willing to you know help out as any any way that I could. You know, it came and matter of fact, I knew before I married her that she had baggage, and uh, it just that. it, and it wasn't the baggage that actually ended the marriage. It wasn't that. You know, it was just, you know, it just kind of fell apart. I understand. And it's very difficult when that happens. I mean, a divorce is a very painful thing. So I wrote the book to help people that are going through that. I don't know. I disagree with you. I think for myself, I don't think divorce was very hurtful or harmful it was sort of like uh <laughs> it was sort of like a dream come true or something it, it was positive because Empowering. We, we both right it was it, because when you uh divorce that's you know i mean that's a a lot of weight off both 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 people and uh you know it's kind of gratifying to, in some cases you're you're out of the relationship it's over it's done you can restart your life you know things like that so i don't begrudge people getting divorces especially if they know that their marriage wasn't uh much to begin with you know i mean cuz you don't want to keep living a lie you know you get out of it you don't want to live a lie well i felt that way too uh that it was mm-hmm. empowering to to leave a, a- a, a difficult marriage that became mm-hmm. actually um, very difficult. But I wrote, I also wrote the book to caution, particularly women, to avoid churches that discriminate against women. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's going around discrimination because in churches, Christianity. It's just. All of this is just taking a dive, a fall. I talk about that in the book because my former mm-hmm. husband belonged to a very right-wing fundamentalist church that yeah. wasn't very helpful to uh, 
very supportive towards women. In fact, they had a men's breakfast every month and and where the pastor was there and members of the the uh, congregation who are just men. And I said to him, why don't you have one for the women? And he never could answer that. And I went to the pastor's wife and I asked her that. And there was nobody there. None of the women were willing to do that. But, wow. But, you know, there's some churches that where men and women are treated Equally, and I belong to the Methodist Church for that reason. Now, I'm not here to talk, discuss religion, but I wrote the book to caution particularly women not to join churches that are not helpful to them. I would go further. I would say for women not to join anything or be a part of anything that do not treat them as equal as men or anybody. I absolutely. mean, hey, wow. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So, do you have an excerpt that we can, a uh, short excerpt that we could, that you can read? Thanks. Yes, I do. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do actually. I wrote a poem called "Ode to Later Marriage." My dearest honeypot, I pray to love you in spite of what you're not. I pray to forgive you despite what you forgot. But please, dearest one, do not forget how to still have fun. Do not forget in the heat of a fight to give me a hug and to kiss me goodnight. When your Viagra fails to do its thing, don't throw away your wedding ring. Do not get disgusted. It's time to get readjusted to romance after 72 Don't be mean, forlorn, or blue. Don't be cruel to a heart that's true. One more thing before I go. You must nurture me daily to help me to grow. Is it too much to ask in this marriage game that six months later you'll remember my name? Wow, that's beautiful. (laughs) And this is in Thank you. <laughs> this Thank is you. in the book, right? <laughs> yeah, this is it's the beautiful. First it, is. Book that, it is. Well, that's how the book starts out. And Okay. I uh, yes, the book starts out with that poem. Great, great. But and thank you, you made it up all by yourself. Yes, I love to write poetry. Yeah. Yeah, but are you working on cheek. Yeah, it's are you working on any yeah. Are you working on another book besides the one that you're pushing? I try not to pitch my book. What what I'm trying to do is talk about, you know, I'm going to be hopefully speaking, doing some speaking engagements, and I'm a mental health nurse practitioner, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about different topics, and the book will be like a sideline. But I wrote the book to help people. And I know I'm going to be writing a third book, but I want to be taking some classes in creative writing before I do that to get better. Yeah, get better. Uh, Obviously, you like to write. You love to write. Yes. Yes, I've been writing since 12 years old. Wow. And And you're just now wanting to take creative writing classes? No, I've been, I've been, 
doing writing for a long time. Okay. <clears throat> but I I uh, didn't major in it in college, and okay, you know I in college I wrote po- for the poetry magazine and never had a career as a journalist or okay. never actually okay. developed it. Okay. What would you say to aspiring writers out there that want to write who are putting it off? What would you tell them? Well, I would say to just keep trying that it's very, very tough. Um, yeah. Read some, read the book by Stephen King about how to, he wrote an excellent book um, giving advice to new writers. Yeah, I've uh, heard of it. That's an excellent book. Yes, yeah. and just persevere and keep writing, keep at it. Mm-hmm. And join, mm-hmm. I joined a writer's group. Now, I read your your experience with your first writer's group that I, fo- I found it hilarious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and okay. I joined a writer's group. Uh, I was advised to join a writer's group that was a circle of friends where they were like supportive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when they gave criticism, it was in a kindly manner. And I've actually yes. found a very good one. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. You just got to keep looking until you find a, 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 a good one. My first one was, was really not that, that good, but uh, I know there's a lot of great writers groups out there and uh, people who are, are uh, genuine writers uh, uh, so I would probably say the same thing. If you're going to be a writer, make sure you join a good writers group because writers hang around writers. Writers, you know, have writers as friends. So uh, it makes it that more easier to uh, come up uh, to do your craft. To you know, so all right, Suzanne yeah. Abbott on the yeah. Uh, Suzanne Abbott on the George Wilder Jr. Show. So tell us about your book. Tell us, um, well, you told us about your book. Tell us where we can find it one more time. Tell us, give us a website. Um, yes. And tell us, I'm tell us how people. Yes. And, and don't forget to tell how people are reacting to your book. If you have any uh, reviews or anything like that. Yes. Um, well, if you go on my website. Uh, you you will be able to get to my book, which is my my Amazon author page. And there's reviews on Amazon about my book. I've got eight reviews so far. You can buy the book on Amazon for ninety nine cents, the ebook. Now, if you want the autographed paperback edition, you can write to me at my email address and I will send a, the, a copy and my email is Suzanne Abbott author at gmail.com Suzanne why are you selling a book like this for 99 cents oh well my publisher um, is we're going to increase the price it's doing quite you better we're going to it's getting it's doing pretty well on Amazon, but when it that that she has a a whole system that's part of the system, and then we're going to increase the price later on, yeah, because writing is beautiful, writing is hard work, and you want to i mean you want to get it's very your, hard work it is tough, it is tough, and it's tough to come up whether you're doing fiction or nonfiction it's it's a tough thing to do is to sit down and write it's tough and when you publish your book you want to make sure you compensate it 
accurately for that book. And I think 99 cents is too low for what for what you uh, uh, asking for on Amazon, especially with that beautiful poem you just read on the show. It should be a lot more than 99 cents, but that's that's up to you and your publisher. Uh, me, for instance, I I stop. I I have a few uh, stories on Amazon for ninety nine cents, but I try to increase. Uh, I try to at least go a lot higher than that because because everybody else is raising their prices. Why not me or you? You we can raise ours, right? <laughs> if, especially if it's good stuff. Yes. Well, eventually the price will go up, but mm-hmm. with the paperback, it's it's twenty dollars. Oh, now. Go ahead. That, that's a, that's, that's a, no, I don't think twenty dollars is is a lot of money. I, I now if it was twenty seven, I'd probably have a problem with it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, twenty dollars is okay. You you find some books on there for fourteen ninety nine and that kind of thing. But you know if if you have a, a great audience, if you if your book is uh, well slanted, go ahead. Here's the thing. For anybody that wants to buy my paperback book from the show, I will I will sell it for $10, and I will autograph it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Suzanne Abbott on the George Wilder Jr. Show, thanks for coming on the show. And make sure you stay in tune to tell us how the book is doing. Yes, well, it's doing quite well um, for a beginning author. You know, yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, doing it's well. on the it's 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 on the bestseller list with Amazon. Beautiful, great, and congratulations! Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I I admire your uh, show. I've been reading a lot about your experiences with writing too. Thank you. <laughs> I guess everybody who writes me. has. I guess everybody who is a writer has some sort of experience when they're starting out to write, you know, so uh, yes. thank you. May I make a comment about what you said earlier about the um, the seniors fearing that their Social Security will be taken away? Uh, Social Security yeah. is not an entitlement. We pay into that fund. That's our money. Exactly. But the Republicans don't think thinks it's an entitlement and that it's a, a – uh, uh, a liability on the deficit that they've started. So I know that, well, you know that, and even they know that, but they're just going to do this. I mean, especially if they win in no- next month, November, if they win, they're going to cut everything. They've said it. I mean, they they have uh, – uh, this is something that they want. They want Social Security. They want Medicare. They want Medicaid. They want anything that – that's governmental, any social program that's out there that's helping people. They want it all because they're all about the rich themselves. They're all about corporations. This is what they are. You know, they're not about the elderly, the poor, the seniors, none of that. Any, that's, that, that's why I'm begging and telling people to get out there to vote. I, you, you're absolutely I right. I agree. I'm voting. And <laughs> Me I, too. And I feel sim- feel similarly with the uh, politics. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right. Thanks for I being agree. on the show. All right. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye.
All right, Suzanne Abbott on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And vote, folks. Get out there and vote. Do your thing. Vote, vote, vote. We've got to get these people out. Um, uh, We've got to get them out of there. They are to destroy anything that, that they can destroy. And we're going to make sure that that's not going to happen. All right, you've been listening on Block Talk Radio. Let's see if we can't. There's always problems, folks. Anytime you're on the internet radio, there's always problems. There's this or that, but we have to try to get over it. Hey, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. You are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
Maggie, how was your weekend? Oh, it was my daughter's birthday on Saturday. Thank was you it? For asking. Oh, yeah. well, so, that's so I, nice. It is I'm nice. glad you had Thank lots you. of time and breathing room to celebrate that. Amidst the tweet storm yeah. that focused in part on you, in part right. on Michael Cohen. So let me just read one of the president's 24 tweets this weekend, the one that re- relates to you. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times had a third-rate reporter named Maggie Haberman, known as a crooked H flunky who I don't speak to and have nothing to do with, are going out of their way to destroy Michael Cohen and his relationship with me in the hope that he will flip. They use non-existent, quote, sources. And a drunk, drugged-up loser who hates Michael... A fine person. That is a, not you, Maggie. By the way, who is Maggie, that? With a wonderful person, uh, with a wonderful family. Uh, Michael is a businessman for his own account lawyer, huh? who I have always liked and respected. Most people will flip if the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that, despite the horrible witch hunt capitalized and the dishonest media. He was upset about your reporting about the the pickle that Michael Cohen is in. Right. What, how do you explain how exercised he was? Well, I think that this is a topic, as we've discussed here over several mornings, uh, is, is one that uh, is hitting a nerve with him. I think that he, is, he and his lawyers are very anxious about the Southern District investigation into Michael Cohen. That is right now more of an imminent threat than the Robert Mueller uh, special counsel probe is. Um, the president, uh, I, look, the story was really not about you know, destroying their relationship. The president has destroyed their relationship pretty handily on his own over a very long period of time. And that is what the story was about, which is that he has been, um, he is abusive, according to almost everyone I speak to, to, to most people in his orbit. And family is not accepted um, from that. But, but he is particularly abusive to Cohen over the years. And then the question becomes, does that come back to haunt him at this point? I, I do not believe that that would be um, an only factor in Cohen's mind. Only Michael Cohen obviously knows what he is thinking of doing. Because he's been um, so loyal, despite the verbal yes, abuse correct. and despite the disrespect, correct. he's been so loyal. So correct. obviously that hasn't bothered him to that degree in the past. Well, or at least there wasn't sort of the, the presentation of his life or the president's life right. in front of him before. And that, I think, is what is going to end, prosecutors are going to hand him. Right. And look, right. let's just be clear about what's going on. You know, Maggie, uh, better than anybody, we're nowhere near the idea of Michael Cohen being presented with any kind of offer no. to have to do anything. Correct. We know there's an investigation. Uh, I still don't understand what the charges would be. Right. Uh, reading right. everything through, I, I don't even know what it is yet. So we're going to have to see what it is. No, but that it's, a very good, it's a very good point. It's that true. the president is not uh, preoccupied right. with this. That's why he'd go after you. Everybody mm-hmm. knows his, um, his description of your relationship and who you are is silly. Uh, there are few reporters that he's given more access to. We know what he's saying isn't true. But it is a clear reflection of what's going on with him. Mm. Now, are we going to have this situation be once again where he's flooded the zone with so much BS that we don't look at each of it individually? Because this is a man who has pledged to take the opioid Mm -hmm. um, crisis real, to treat addiction in a Mm -hmm. way that no president has before. We know he has to be talking about Sam Nunberg, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody else fits the description of being anyone who would be connected in any way to any kind of uh, problems with addiction except for him. Um, and again, maybe it's speculation, maybe it isn't, <clears throat> but that's true. Mm-hmm. Should he be held to account, the President of the United States, for referring to somebody as a drugged-up drunk when he says he wants to mm-hmm. give attention to addiction, treat these mm-hmm. people with respect, treat them as sick, help with the problem, because he just identified the problem. Mm-hmm. He is the problem. The stigma is a big part of the problem in changing how we deal with it. I know all the other stuff is great political intrigue, no, but, but should we focus on that? I, I totally agree with you. Yes, we should. I mean, this is somebody who a huge driver for his election, both in the primaries and in the general election, 
was concern about the opioid crisis, um, the spread of addiction, the lack of treatment, the lack of options. He was very good at going to events and sort of sounding a note of compassion, calling someone a drugged-up loser on Twitter, and especially then creating this kind of, who is it? Is it Sam Nunberg? Is it someone else game? Um, that is the opposite, and that is something um, that people who have been uh, working in the field of addiction for a very long time have been trying to push back against. When it comes from the President of the United States, it is, it is a fundamentally stronger message. And it is, as we know, I mean, I think this is the reality, Chris, that you're pointing to, and it's an important, it's an important point. Um, this is how he really feels what he's, about addicts. You know, we know that he had a brother who died of alcoholism. We know that he considers addiction to be weak. Um, whatever he says to people when he is either um, dealing with people who have lost children, as he did recently in New Hampshire, um, to opioids, or when he is trying to sound as if he is focused on this crisis, that is very revealing to say what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously very exercised as well about what's happened with James Comey, the book tour, mm-hmm. and the memos that were released that James Comey had written after meeting with um, Donald Trump. So here's another tweet. James Comey illegally leaked classified documents to the press in order to generate a special counsel. Therefore, the special counsel was established based on an illegal act. Really? Does anybody know what that means? I mean, I don't know that he knows what that means based on that tweet, because we don't actually know that what Comey did um, was quote unquote illegal. We do not know whether there was classified information that should have been that was retroactively classified. The inspector general is looking. That is being looked. Well, there is a big difference between something being looked at and something being done. But same way, there is a big difference between a country saying they're going to denuclearize and actually saying for sure. And we're going to get to that. But that is what triggered the special counsel. Mm -hmm. He's right about that. That James Comey handing over the. Uh, memos to a friend. Well, no, I was going to say that's counsel. not true. Yeah, there were the, the memos were part of it, but the fact that the president fired Comey mm-hmm. in what um, the deputy attorney general clearly was concerned with, at least partly politically yep. motivated, partly personally motivated, all of that is what triggered. Sure, sure. But I mean, you just heard James Comey there say, "I had hoped." To, to push trigger something yes. by releasing sure. these because he was so alarmed by what he had already heard. Sure. But, I mean, I think that, again, this, this always goes back. The president's very good at winnowing things down to the act and trying to get us to kind of um, fight on those terms. Uh, he, he has been more successful than I think people realize at right. setting the terms of debate of the coverage of what he does. But the reality is that as the Comey memos present, and as all of our independent reporting showed at the time, the, the collective we, there were many reasons right. um, that people were concerned. Yeah. And Rosenstein pulled right. the trigger right. on this. Okay. And, you know, and this was, this was uh, right. Trump's guy. You know what's impressive to me about this? Not that he once again, how can you not know how to spell counsel with special counsel when you've written about it so many times, Mr. President? Just, you know, take a beat. You know, realize what words you're putting down there. Your words matter. How can somebody <laughs> who has... Good Twitter. Well, but I mean, at this point, how many times has he written about Jim Comey and the special counsel? He still misspells it. What, I, what I'm saying is... Somebody who has the best information in the world about all of this stuff, right? We don't even come close. He is always going off what he hears in the media about yeah, this. Right. Jim Comey says, you know, I really wanted to give it a push, you know. And he's kind of, he's kind of boosting himself anyway, right? It's part of his mm-hmm. book tour. He knows uh, right. that it was his firing, not what he did. Uh, but the president picks up on what the guy says as part of his book tour, and that's more important to him than all the information he could have about this investigation from the people doing it? He, as you both know, he comes to conclusions well, and then he looks for information that can back that up. And so he's watching television, he's watching these interviews, he's watching Fox News, and he has decided that Comey is corrupt and this is all wrong, and look, that's what points to it. And He's living the dream, this go. man. All the dreams that we've had, of, boy, great to know for sure. 
He's always a phone call away yes. from sure. Yes. And yet he goes on what he sees can't, on Fox. Can't control what that information that he's getting, um, you know, from his actual government. It's much easier to try to control what people are seeing through your Twitter feed. Hmm. All right. Keith Overman. I'm Keith Overman, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough, and he resigns. Or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. 
Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth well, way these, out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly, more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth end game is the same thing, only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year Award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you, you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend, but it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped and the ballgame was over even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it, and I repudiate none of it, 
and it has been my privilege to do it, and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror. The process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news. We've come full <laughs> circle to such a complete degree right on, that on Chief. Sunday, Trump Chief tweeted a complaint about... This is what I call freedom. Well, I want to say, I want to tell you, I want to say, when you can do what you want to do, and go where you want to go, and leave where you want to leave.
All right, Donald Trump on Ted Cruz. He's not lying Ted anymore. He's beautiful Ted. This is Donald Trump. I'm quoting Donald Trump. He's Tonight he's out in Houston stomping for lying Ted. Uh, it, it's just craziness. Uh, Donald uh, and Ted Cruz, as I've said earlier, is going to be the first one in line to vote against uh, to vote for a Social Security cut. He's going to be the first one in line. And all these older people out here voting. So many, not all elderly, but some elderly are out here voting for these people. That's a damn shame. All right, heading toward Houston on Mondays, which is Monday right here at the date of this show. President Donald Trump cleric, did, uh, clarified his position on one-time presidential hopeful. He's not lying Ted anymore. He's beautiful Ted. Uh, Trump is stupid. That's a stupid man. He's he's just as stupid as he can be. Um, Barack Obama urges Nevadians to vote to restore sanity to politics. I agree with that. And I'm pissed off at Barack Obama because he isn't out there. Uh, he hasn't been out there readily uh, slamming Donald Trump and the Republicans. Okay, conservative PAC ad claims that senior that Senator Debbie Stabenow supports black genocide. This is what I'm talking about. All of these ads, all of these Republican ads, they are so despicable trying lying on their Democratic opponent. So is Ted Cruz lying on his Democratic opponent, and he's got Donald Trump Uh, coming there to help him win votes. Donald Trump is a liability. He's a heavy sack around their necks. Why would anybody want Donald Trump with his poll numbers in the 30s to endorse them? Because they don't give a fuck. They don't give a shit. They just don't care. Uh, They don't even care if they win. I'm hearing now that if the Democrats take back the Senate, Donald Trump won't he will not even recognize it. Who cares what he recognizes? He will not be able to do certain things. We just hope the Democrats will not give in, will not will do their jobs that the voters elected them to do. Uh, you know, that we will elect them to them to do. And uh it's we're going to talk more about this caravan thing tomorrow because I'm just now getting some stuff here across my desk uh, on it. Okay. Don't buy what the left is selling you. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that's what, that is what um, Laura Ingram just said. Don't buy what the left is selling you. She is a Donald Trump butt kisser. Butt kisser. She is up his rear. So do not believe what Fox News is selling you. Laura Ingram is one of the worst of the worst of the worst. I grant I'm not on television like she is. I'm not on a great big radio station like she is. But she's a, she is a Republican hack on Fox News. Whatever you do, do not listen to Laura Ingram. Get the old people away from Fox News. That's where that's where they are being indoctrinated with bullshit. Total bullshit. That's all it is. So get your grandmother, your grandfather, your, your, 
get all the Illinois people away from Fox News because they're being indoctrinated with nothing but pure bullshit and lies. This is why a lot of these seniors are heading out the door to vote for Republicans who are going to take away their benefits. Going to take away their benefits. The Republicans are going to destroy America. They don't give a damn about about you, about you, excuse me. They don't give a damn about you because you have a job, you have a house, you have a car, you have a kid in college, you have a little, a few pennies in the bank. They don't care nothing about you. The Republicans don't give a damn about you. Fox News do not give a damn about you. Fox News is just there to try to uh, fill your head up with a lot of propaganda, a lot of bullshit that's not true, and they want you to go out there and vote against your own interest. Stop listening to Fox News. Get the elderly people away from Fox News. If you if you run into some older people who say they're going to vote Republican, talk to them. Talk to them. More likely, they're getting Social Security. Talk to them. Saying, say, if you're going to vote for Republicans, if you're going to vote for a Republican, you're voting to take away your benefits. Maybe that'll change a lot of minds. But I know a lot of older Americans say they would never ever vote Republican or watch Fox News or any of that kind of thing because Fox News just brainwashes you with a bunch of bullshit and a bunch of lies, and they have no shame at doing it. Stop tuning them out. Uh, Stop watching them. MSNBC, uh, Rachel Maddow's show is beating uh, Hannity and a lot of other these shows on Fox News. If you're going to watch something, watch something that's going to tell you the fucking truth, not some station that's going to tell you a bunch of lies like Fox News. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Here we go. We're going to be right back, folks, if we can do this. I'm having trouble with my um, uh, screen here, but we're going to try and do this because I've got to make a few changes. We'll be right back if we can get this thing going. Tonight's headline, Tweet Storm. President of the United States has spent the past few days denying that the deaths of 3,000 American citizens in Puerto Rico even occurred. That's right. President Trump wants us to believe that the official death toll in Puerto Rico, 2,975, the number of people who died as a direct result of the storm and the federal government's insufficient response to it, is a hoax, a lie, a conspiracy against him, because that's how pathologically insecure he is. September 20th, less than a week away, marks one year since Maria ravaged Puerto Rico, and we just recently got the official death figures, and no thanks to the federal government. The governor of Puerto Rico had to ask researchers at George Washington University to get actual figures, figures that the president is now insisting must be made up. Just last night, Trump tweeted, When Trump visited the island territory last October, officials told him in a briefing 16 people had died from Maria, according to the Washington Post. This was long after the hurricane took place. Over many months, it went to 64 people. Then, like magic, 3,000 people killed. They hired GW Research to tell them how many people had died in Puerto Rico. How would they not know this? This method was never done with previous hurricanes because other jurisdictions Know how many people were killed 50 times last original number. No way. 
This latest tweet storm comes a day after Trump accused Democrats, yes, Democrats, of inflating the number just to make him look bad. Of course, he offered no evidence to support his wild claim because there is none. It's a lie. And it's a particularly odious one. Here's the deal. This president, it appears, is incapable of expressing empathy, the basic human decency, or even accepting reality when confronted with it. That's both disturbing and alarming. But this is sadly what we've come to expect from him, and it seems pointless to ask him to do better. What is stunning to me, however, is the lack of pushback from Republican leadership. In response to the president's offensive tweets denying the deaths of American citizens, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said nothing. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan has said he has no reason to doubt the numbers. Okay. Senator Lindsey Graham questioned the methodology of the report. Here's an idea. Compel your government to do its job and assess the death toll itself, and you wouldn't have to question the methodology of a college-commissioned study. But how hard is it for a member of Congress to say the president is wrong, the numbers are right, Puerto Rico has suffered enough, and this just adds insult to injury? Why does that, acknowledging the deaths of American citizens, suddenly require political courage? Why does that now imperil an elected official's re-election efforts? Why does that somehow become partisan? Because the President of the United States is a bully and the Republicans who support him are cowards. Meanwhile, another storm, equally as real, continues to wreak its havoc on the southeastern coast. What started as a Category 4 hurricane, now Tropical Storm Florence, is moving westward. It's seen significant, unprecedented flooding in the Carolinas. And according to officials, nearly 800,000 homes and businesses are without power. At least eight people, including a mother and her infant, have died in North Carolina, and one death has been reported so far in South Carolina as a result of this storm. Let's go to CNN national correspondent Ed Levendera. He's in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Ed, what's the latest there? Well, you know, just as we come on air here this afternoon, the rainfall begins. We've had a, a little bit of a lull for the last couple of hours, uh, but now another downpour here uh, in the city. And this is one neighborhood that is emblematic of what many people in this area are dealing with. Did we lose Ed? It looks like we've, we've lost Ed. We'll try to pick him up uh, again, but joining me now is Republican Congressman from South Carolina, Ralph Norman. Uh, Congressman, as Florence moves inland, your district is in the direct path of the storm. What are you hearing from your constituents? How are they faring? Do you think that they're prepared? Well, we've hadn't hit, had the brunt of it yet, uh, yeah. SE, but the, the problem that we're having now is a massive amount of rain uh, projected over the next 24 hours. The winds at 30 to 40 miles an hour, uh, the downed trees that are a, a hazard. We had a, a lady from one of my counties that I represent die when a tree fell down and uh, she hit it. The undermining of our roads, it's a, um, unfortunately we're still in it. It's not to the extent that the coastal counties have had, but yeah. uh, the worst is yet to come. So when you say the worst, what are you bracing for in, in particular? Is it, is it more flooding? Are you fearing uh, wind damage? What specifically are you most worried about? The water and the, the winds with the trees. Uh, I was talking to an airline pilot earlier, and he was talking about the, uh, 
uh, winds that a commercial airliner could safely land in. It was 24 miles an hour. We've had higher winds than that over the past six hours yeah. and probably going to have the same uh, 30 to 40 miles an hour, which are dangerous. So from what you can see um, from your vantage point, how has the federal response been to this storm? It's been phenomenal. Uh, from the governor having meetings with FEMA to the sheriffs, the chief of police, the mayors, they've had three to four meetings a day. I've mm -hmm. had briefings uh, from the governor in, within the last two hours. Uh, it's been phenomenal. The communications has been good. The, the United States uh, Customs uh, Patrol have been great. It's been a collaborative effort. Nine states have pitched in to help South Carolina, and we'll be grateful, forever grateful, for what, what they've done. But it's, it's been a great experience uh, to help with a very tragic and unfortunate storm. Your that's hurricane. great to hear. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, so before I leave you, what do you say to people who might be watching who say, well, now it's just a tropical storm? Don't be goaded into a sense of false security. Stay off the roads, particularly on the secondary roads. The big problem we, we will have in South Carolina will be roads that are washed out that you can't yeah. really see unless a car is there. So stay off the roads. If mm. you can, stay inside. Thank you, Congressman, for joining us, for updating us. Stay safe uh, and continue to keep us updated. I appreciate it. Th th thank you. Okay, we, we have uh, CNN National Correspondent Ed Levendera back in Jacksonville. Right, thanks, uh, Ed. Uh, you were sick. Thank you. All right. Like, as I've said, Donald Trump is in uh, is in uh, Texas, stomping for Ted Cruz. And it's awful. It's totally awful. Just look at the cover photo. If you look at it, look at the cover photo of Cruz shaking Donald Trump's hand. Cruz is half bowing, completing his, completing his utter humiliation of allowing Trump to insult him, his wife, his father, and then make him like it. How many Texans can vote for this Slimy, gutless opportunity baffles me and the country. Come on, Texas. Come on, Texas. Let's hope Texas goes blue. There has been talk about that. Come on, Texas. This slimy, gutless opportunist baffles me. Come on, Texas. Surely you can. Surely you better represented by someone other than Cruz. Yeah, we want Cruz out of there. Cruz, uh, more likely. <clears throat> as I've been saying for a long time here, that it's seniors that's putting Cruz over the top. It's uh, the lies and the propaganda that, that's coming out of Fox News that's putting him over the top. And it's the elderly. If you know somebody in your family, and I've said this before, that's for Cruz, don't. This guy is bad news. This guy is in Trump's ass. We do not want people in there that are afraid of Donald Trump. And as, as I've said several times, Republicans should be voted straight out of office. This um, midterm, and during this midterm, um, and if uh, the Democrats take the House or the Senate or both, 
we still have a lot of work to do. We still have work to do on getting rid of all Republicans in every facet of the United States, in every crevice, every corner, getting them out of office. They're crooks, they're thugs, they're all on the same page when it comes to destroying America because they hate it. And and I have to say this because it's true. It's white people that are destroying and ruining, ruining America. It's white people. It's not black people. It's not Muslims. It's not Chinese. It's not people coming uh, over into, into America in the caravan. It's these fucking people in Congress, white people, old, rich, white assholes who want to turn America back uh, into 1934 Germany when Hitler was in control because Donald Trump wants it. I don't think Donald Trump has the brain power to be a, a dictator. But if he's got a bunch of Republicans who are aiding and abetting him, it's anything's possible because they're his soldiers. They're not Congress. They're his fucking soldiers, like Hitler had soldiers. The media will be undone if, if uh, people don't get out there and vote. And if, we, and if we do not try to change the mind of some seniors out there who are letting Fox News and this Trump bullshit uh, affect them. And I have watched Donald Trump's rallies. It, 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 it's a damn shame. I see young people behind him. I don't understand. How dumb are these people? They have grandmothers. They have grandfathers. He's going to take away. Donald Trump doesn't give a damn if you're a Democrat or or independent or Republican. He's going to smash you. He's going to smash you. He's going to take everything that you have. He doesn't give a fuck. He just wants you to be dumb and stupid enough to vote for him. And people are. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Donald Trump just wants people to be dumb and stupid and vote for him. And they are doing